Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. Whether you are planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we are here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're sharing a few ways we budgeted our year-long national parks trip. dance moves it's the intro music you gotta dance it's wherever you are you better be dancing yeah but it's over okay well it's not really playing right now so i'm just guessing what it will sound like regardless it's over (laughs) it's playing in my head there's Uh, a lot of stuff playing in your head yeah well yeah i don't have any other comment on that but elizabeth Tomorrow, no, Friday, I will be visiting my 49th state. I'm excited for that. You've never been to Wisconsin? I've never been to Wisconsin. What's the other one? Louisiana. No, you've been to Louisiana. The last one is standing is... Vermont. No. We went through Vermont. Mrs. No, you went to Mississippi. Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. I've been to both of these states. Well, aren't you special? Our marriage has visited all 50 states. Isn't that nice? Combined. Not, yeah, our we marriage. Haven't, we haven't jointly visited all 50 yeah. states. But when you get married, you're, yeah, you, yeah. you put all of your banks together. I've heard that before. No, what so... That <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> no, so But why don't you tell everybody why we get to go to Wisconsin sure, for the weekend? Sure. So um, about a, two months ago or so, I... Um, won a ticket to a blogging conference in Milwaukee. And so we get to go to Wisconsin this weekend and I am attending the, the it's called the Women in Travel Summit and um, WITS for short. And it's a two day, well, there's a lot of bonus activities beyond the two days, but basically it's going to be a ton of big names in travel blogging from all around the country. Awesome women bloggers and influencers and uh, marketer marketing managers and um, visitors bureau visitor bureau what am i trying to say visitors bureau the point is it's going to be really freaking sweet yeah it's really going to be awesome you're going to have so much networking opportunity which i love (laughs) (laughs) but they have some really cool things planned like you're going to be doing a Harley Davidson museum tour. Not a tour. That's where the party is. Oh, I don't care. About Harley that. Davidson museum party. Yes. A brewery tour. Yes. And all party. Sorts of, all sorts of cool things. Plus a lot of a, f- a lot of sessions, of course, for learning things. <laughs> so I'm hoping I get to take away a couple of lessons from people who do this for a living, because the more that I'm getting into the, you know managing the blog and the business side of the blog, um, the more I'm realizing that there are so many people out there that do this full time and make it work. And so I'm not sure if we want to turn this into a full time job, but for now, we're just trying to learn as much as we can and um, make our business better and better. Yeah, and it's always surprised me how many how lucrative blogging is for 
a select few people at the top of the audience charts. Um, it can be really bring in a lot of money with ad revenue, with um, you know Amazon affiliate links or other affiliate links, different sponsorships. I don't know. Yeah, There's all sponsored, different. Mostly sponsored um, content is, yes. is huge. Sponsored posts. Um, but like our goal, if you've followed us on our our blog and on this podcast too, you know we don't have any ads or anything, at least yet. Um, we have never really wanted to make money off of this. It's something we do because we love it, and it's something we do because we love sharing the message. And that would be our main thrill for getting you know more and more people listening and reading our blog. Uh, right. that, if, that we share the parks with more people. If so. anything, we can also make your experience better by introducing you to some of the some. You know, if we can introduce you to a new great company that you've never heard of, and they pay us, then what's the harm in that? <laughs> right. <laughs> so you're really excited for Wits. It'll be fun. I'm It'll be good. really excited to tag along and not get into any of the awesome events because I know. I, I am... wish we were switched. Well, I wish it was. No, I'm excited. I'm super excited for you. Um, You're gonna have a blast. I'm gonna have a blast. Don't get my joke. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Acknowledge. Mitts, Menon, Travel Summit. Is that what you're talking about? No. (laughs) It's really funny. I laughed on the inside (laughs) while I was talking. Um, No. You're so efficient. (laughs) Yeah. I'll, I'll get to at least explore the city, Milwaukee. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be and good. the Cardinals are in town. I, I'm a huge Cardinals fan. Elizabeth, I know a decent Cardinals fan. Thank you. <laughs> and they're going to be playing the Brewers this weekend. And I've never you, been to the stadium there. Did you see what you did there? You were talking and knocking me down a peg at the same time. Yeah, I'm very efficient. Very efficient. Shall we start our podcast today? Please. I think I know this first session where you're going to, or this first section where you're going to get me back. <laughs> you know, it's not that hard, so you might be able to do it. It's time for Parks in the News. Do-do-do. Okay. So this is the session in the podcast in which I try to outsmart Cole by asking him some questions and hoping that he fails miserably on his face. Yep, that's ready? marriage. <laughs> Are you ready? Okay, so Bring since we are talking about budgeting this week, I thought we would talk about some options for um, when you go into a national park, when you're visiting a national park, you have a lot of options, and there are some things that cost money, like lodging and some activities and things like that. So, okay, stop making that face at me. I'll get to it when I want to get to it. So, I'm going to give you three. I'm going to give you two a set of um, options, and you're going to tell me which one is. I can't do this when you're when you're I'm, making that annoyed face at me. I'm not making any faces. You're you just, just taking forever here. I feel like our <laughs> listeners are falling asleep. No, you, you uh, just want to Or get, maybe that's just me. You just want to get back to the blues game. Yeah, Relax. the blues are playing Okay, right so now. You t- I'm going to give you two things. You tell me which one is more expensive. Okay. Okay. First one, the entrance fee to Yosemite or the entrance fee to Great Smoky Mountains? Which one costs more? It's definitely the entrance fee to Yosemite because I don't think 
Great Smoky Mountains even has an interest entrance fee. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Yosemite's $25. Great Smoky Mountains is free. Okay. Nice. Second one. These are cool. I want to do both of these. Okay. Helicopter tour of the Grand Canyon South Rim per person or the Crystal Cave Wild Cave tour in Sequoia per person. Well, I mean, a helicopter tour is one of those super high dollar items, especially at the Grand Canyon where everybody's there. Uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of demand. Uh, I've got to go with the helicopter tour. Good job. It's um, it's not very far off, though. That's why. Really? I, yeah. So the Crystal Cave in Sequoia, that was the one that was closed when we came through, so we did not get to visit it. It's $135 for a wild cave Holy tour. Holy smokes. So. Um, I thought, like. 45 was expensive at, it was at 50, Mammoth Cave. 55, or I 50, think. 50, yeah. But yeah, um, definitely. Okay, last one. Here's a fun one. One night at the Majestic Hotel in Yosemite in April. Otherwise known as the Awani. Awani. Or our lodging for six weeks in Alaska, including our days in Kotzebue at the B&B. And all of our other expenses for that those six weeks in Alaska. Lodging expenses. Lodging expenses. Camping. And you tallied everything <clears throat> from Denali. Yes. And all of that. Yes. Oh, jeez. Because the Iwani, I know, is ridiculously expensive. We looked it up while we were sitting in the Iwani Lodge, enjoying the comfy sofas and fireplace. Um, and, of course not paying for anything um but so i've got to say the awani you're correct yes so here's what i tallied the awani it cost about 461 dollars a night per night guys this is crazy that's actually less than i expected you should be gasping this is in april Oh, April. This is Jeez. April. Yeah, wow. This is right now. They wouldn't even tell me how much, but it's all booked up all almost every day this summer already. But it's even more. It's more in the five upper 500s per night in the summer. And our lodging in Alaska cost, I calculated, $355 total. Wow. For six weeks, which included um, two nights in Kotzebue were $250. So are there <laughs> the rest of the those days, which is like uh, what forty days? Yeah. The other two days, besides those two days, because we mostly camped for free, right? Um, we paid in Kenai Fjords. We paid for we got a buy one get one free night at Miller's Landing. And Denali, was Denali, a big one. Was, it wasn't a big one. It was sixteen dollars and two nights. Oh, really? That's and that's it. all we did. Okay. At Wonder Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think that was it. Yeah, I guess Am I was I thinking like, Oh, the and bus Katmai. Was kind Katmai of was more expensive because Katmai was, I think it was $12 per person per night. So that was about $48. So am I adding this correctly? I don't know. It was cheap, though, for six weeks, guys. Anyway, go to the Awani to visit. <laughs> It would be my suggestion. 
I don't think it's worth I, – I can't imagine. It. I mean, we did not get to see the rooms, but we saw some pictures of them. It's not like magic dust in these rooms. It's not like uh, uh, fairy tale land. I don't know. The national parks really <laughs> – what? Yeah, it's it's, it's a fairy tale land. It's not your idea right. of luxury. <laughs> Agreed. Anyway, okay, let's yeah, move on. So this is why we have a thing or two to say about budgeting. It is, and I thought that was a good introduction to our first. I like that for our, to our topic, um, which really re- reiterates this fact that we did not spend very much money at all through the year. Um, and we were very intentional about it. And that's how we survived a year. Yeah. And for those who don't know, our budget for the year was 20000 for both of us for everything, traveling, airplane tickets, you know, all the way out to American Samoa and everything in between. Bush planes. Um, yeah. Bush mostly. planes, insurance, food. Uh, gear everything that took you know that we had to do to live for a year Um, so it's 20,000 budget and we ended up spending about 23,000 I believe Um, just because there were a couple things in Alaska that we were like you know that we're in Alaska like we have to go on this glacier hike and we have to do that like we have to go on this um, boat tour of Kenai Fjords because we're not just going to co- go all the way to Alaska and then see the national park from the coastline. Like we're not going to do that. And so we um we did spend a little bit more money in Alaska especially than maybe we intended to, but we saved money other places. Yeah, and for, sure. for you know the the budget's great to have um at the beginning of the year, but then we got to a certain point, you know, 2 months left, we realized we could either eat rice and beans and just be monks for the next two months and have a fairly miserable time or we could spend a little extra money which we had (laughs) eat ramen yeah (laughs) right uh which we had you know a backup we had a reserve amount of course um you know we had plenty more than twenty thousand, so we ate into that a bit and had a lot of we could do a lot more with it and that was just a lot more pleasant, uh, and I think it was definitely the right decision. So I guess lesson we learned was just be flexible with your budget and adjust, uh, and don't be afraid to spend a little more if you're doing these once-in-a-lifetime things. It's just money. Yeah. yeah. We figured, like, we're young enough to where it's just money. It's 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 worth it to spend money sometimes, and... We knew that, you know, for the rest of our lives, we're going to be prioritizing spending to to um, emphasize these experiences. And so we knew we'd be okay. Anyway, let's jump in and talk about our first park, which we spent $6 the whole time, and it was on a pie. And ice cream for the pie. And ice cream for the pie. Yeah. And that was Capital Reef, one yeah. of our... Was this this was in our top ten national parks for sure? Definitely loved Capitol Reef so much. Very first podcast episode, top ten. Yeah, still my favorite. And now we get to do a little deep dive into Capitol Reef. So Capitol Reef was interesting because um, it was, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It was our eighth national park if I counted right, 
And up until then, I had really planned out like each day of our trip before we left on it. And so I had all the campsites booked. Everything was everything was booked. And it was this was September, so it was kind of a high season for, for Utah. And so I really wanted to make sure everything was booked out. But Capitol Reef, their campground is first come, first serve, which ended up being a blessing in disguise. Because Capitol Reef was the first time we really learned the lesson that camping in the national parks can be free. Yeah, so what she's talking about is good old BLM camping. We got to the visitor center. We saw the the campground was booked up. We were talking with the ranger just about other options, and they said, well, actually, they're all surrounding the park is Bureau of Land Management management yeah yeah land, land. yeah mm-hmm. and um she said people can just you know pull over on the side of the road and park and camp on that land uh, for free so we had never heard of that before but we decided we don't have anywhere else to go might as well check it out and it was perfectly fine you get out uh, the first night we were just all alone well the first night we backpacked yeah the, so the second night the second night right the, the we, second night we we're just all alone off this you know very remote road and it was gorgeous just the sunset was so all around. pretty we weren't positive that we were in the right spot <laughs> because um i think they said you had to be a mile outside of the park limit and so as soon as we saw that park sign um, like you are now entering the national park. We kind of looked at our dashboard, timed out about a mile, and then pulled off and found a good spot to camp. That was where we um, we gained a member of our trip. Oh yeah, little mouse. Yeah, we, little uh, field mouse. We had a mouse climb inside of our car through the engine, I guess. And we had left a couple bags of chips or something, and it definitely ate right through those and made a little mess for itself. Uh, So we learned our lesson there a little bit. Uh, It still happened again later that we got that mouse. We 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 learned our lesson that you should keep out keep all of your food very stored, and so we had been pretty much. Well, I guess we slacked a little. So trash from now too. on, trash. We definitely got into the trash That was the later. thing. We had this like little trash bag that we kept, and we can't always dump it out because we're not always around a trash can, and that's what the mouse mostly got into. So we had to figure out storage issues. But anyway, BLM camping. So this was in between the main part of the park, and which was Fruta, and um, the Water Pocket District was where we first camped because the, the main road that takes you from one section to the other passes through the BLM land. So we were able to just pull off. The, the next, I think, two or three nights, we stayed out right outside the, the main visitor center. Um, it was about... On only, the western side. Yes, only about a mile from the entrance. There's this huge pull-off when you could see probably two dozen other RVs and campers and... Um, all sorts of people camping in this one section that was clearly for free camping. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it made us feel a lot more comfortable about it because we were able to see other people doing the same thing. And since we were not in an RV, there was this like upper section that we, we were able to get our car up this hill. 
And so we got the best spot, I feel like, in the whole campground. Yeah. The whole little looking over everybody. Makeshift makeshift campground. All on our own. Um, So that was a really cool just kind of thing we found in Capitol Reef and then exploited the rest of our trip. And in places like Joshua Tree and Mm -hmm. a bunch of other places. Oh, so many other places we did free camping. But this was the very first kind of initiation into it, and it really made us feel more comfortable about it. Um, Yeah, Capitol Reef was free, essentially, for us. We bought our little hiking stick medallion, and we bought a pie, which you have to buy a pie from the... They, they, um, They have orchards. They're the only orchard that's maintained by the national park service i believe i think that's what they said yep and um so this historic little old mormon settlement um they grow apples and pears and walnuts or pecans some kind of nut yep and cherries i believe and then they make all these pies every day fresh and they make this they make this homemade ice cream that you buy with it and it was so good yeah so good yeah, we definitely busted back from one of our hikes to basically <laughs> jog to the store and try and get there before it closed to get our homemade ice cream. Yeah, because we so. already had the pie, but we were gonna we were gonna wait to get the ice cream because we so we could eat it after this long hike. Um, so fresh, cold ice cream, of course. So the hike that we did right before ice cream time was called Navajo Knobs Trail, and that was probably my favorite hike of the the park. Oh, for sure. Um, the one that we did down in the Water Pocket District when we backpacked uh, was, was called was Muley. Also... Oh, uh, good. Upper Muley Creek Canyon. Something like that. Muley. Yeah. Something with muleys. <laughs> Good memory. Um, yeah. I like that one Capitol a lot. I so much. I, but I really loved the Navajo Knobs Trail. You got just super high up, so great views all around. Yeah, it was pretty hard. Um, it was pretty... Definitely a hard. A lot of elevation. Other, I mean, just red rocks, you know, kind of scrambling up the mountain a little bit. Um, and then you get to look down into the canyons and Cassidy Arch was also really cool. Not a very super hard hike or anything, but a really cool arch. Um, oh, you didn't... Why are you shaking your You're head? You're making this really intense face. Sorry, keep going. Oh. <laughs> Maybe it's just my podcasting face. <laughs> uh, the other one we love, I can't believe you don't have on the notes here, is the uh, Sulphur Creek Trail. Oh. <gasps> You I, forgot all about I that. I forgot the best part. So our This is why I need you to help me make the notes. <laughs> favorite part of Capitol Reef was the Sulphur Creek Trail, which is actually it's not a trail, it's a route. So it goes from, you know, one part just basically off the side of the road. You can either park there or get dropped off there and you hike in through the Sulphur Creek. Sulphur Creek. I mean, you you hike a ways to get to the creek, and then you connect to the creek, and that's where you get into the water, basically. Yeah, and you you just follow it all the way back to the visitor center. Yeah. And it was about five miles, and we had our bikes, so this was really helpful because then we could park, hike, Cole um, just biked back to get the car, and then we, and then he drove to back to pick me up, and I just got to hang out at the visitor center. So that was really nice. I don't think he enjoyed the bike very much. 
it was hard and hot and mostly just completely uphill. Uh, <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was You tough. worked for it. But th- this was like, think of the Narrows in Zion, but no people. Wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> and not as, not quite as, I guess, like turquoise of water, but the whole experience was really similar to the Narrows, except this was kind of cooler because you get to hike down, like down climb these waterfalls. Yeah. Um, and nothing was very scary or anything, but um, it was really, so there was a little bit of climbing, a lot of walking through water. So having our trekking poles helped a lot bat with balance. Um, but that, yeah, that was, that was definitely the best hike we did. And I loved it because there weren't like a ton of signs directing us. It was a route, so you just kind of had a suggestion of where to go. Nobody knew about it, and uh, it was just kind of a feeling of you were exploring. Like with the Narrows, you'd heard so much about it. You knew, uh, well, there were tons of people there, so you knew everything that was coming up. But with this, it was really like we were exploring on our own. Very pleasant surprise, too. Very undersold. And they'll tell you at the visitor center, it's not a trail, it's a route. So there aren't like trail signs. And sometimes it's maybe not clearly marked, but it's just a creek you're following. So it was really easy to us. But go and get the little handout at the visitor center that tells you exactly all the mileage and the turns you need to make. And the last thing I'll mention about Capitol Reef is just that we had some real cool uh, ranger programs. There were rangers who talked about, you know, had a program in the old Mormon schoolhouse and talked about the Mormon settlement. There were rangers who talked about the pictographs, um, or I think it was pictographs, right? Paintings. It wasn't mm-hmm. the the carvings. It wasn't, yeah. Uh, petroglyphs. It wasn't petroglyphs. It was pictographs. And that was really cool to hear that history as well. And then the geology talks. Yeah, geology. Uh, the night programs, evening programs seemed like they were so good. Yeah. I just, I don't know why the, the speaker, the this ranger was a really good speaker and he did the evening programs. Um, and those are, there was an astronomy talk and there was a little star party one night mm-hmm. um, with the telescopes. And it, do you remember the the ranger who gave the talk in the schoolhouse? We saw her again in Alaska. Yeah. That was the one we saw in... Um, Skagway. Yeah. Gold Rush National Historic Park. And we, we looked at this ranger and we're like, we've seen her before, but where? <laughs> and we realized it was here in Capitol Reef. And so that came full circle, which is kind of fun. Yeah. So we did like five ranger programs, all great the uh, one thing I would go back to in the park is Cathedral, cathedral Valley. Yeah, the Cathedral Valley mm-hmm. that required basically a four-wheel drive. Uh, I think you could have gotten through with a high clearance two-wheel drive, but you had to cross this river basically. Ford, yeah, like Ford the river. And we just didn't want to mess with it. Well, there there was, was too much other stuff, well, and there it was, was going to rain. Of rain in the forecast. Yeah. So we didn't know if we would get back, uh, but that would definitely be something I would want to go check out too, because it's a whole different, unique area. But um, when we have our when when we can when we go to Utah and rent a Jeep, we're gonna have so much fun. Look out! Yeah, yeah, look out. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Last thing to mention: these um, Capitol Reef has is a kind of interesting because you can access most of the park for free but there is kind of the main central area that you have to pay four dollars to drive into i think it was four dollars right 
Yeah, or your your access pass. Right, or gets you in your the regular entrance fee pass. America the Beautiful Parks pass, and of course that's what we had, which allowed us to save money the whole trip for just eighty bucks. Get every you know into every park you want. So that was always clutch, and basically meant that the only thing we spent money on again was the delicious freaking delicious pie we had our priority straight <laughs> oh that's why i love you um all right let's hit park number two on our budget topic for today way further in the year yes this was in um april so, so yeah capital april, reef was uh, september yep fast forward Six months, we're in April. Yep, April, we visited Redwood National Park, which is in the northern part of California. The last time, right before we um, didn't have to pump our own gas anymore. Remember that? <laughs> Weird transition. Oh, in Oregon? Oregon? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, that's not important. <laughs> Random. We, we spent a long time in California, and this was our last California park, working our way north. Um, and, and this was such a cool, luscious, green, amazing park. Really, really interesting. Um, we had seen this, the, the trees, the tall sequoia trees in Sequoia National Park, of course. And we had seen the sequoia grove in Yosemite National Park. Um, so this was sort of similar, but it had such a different feel being right on the coast. So the coastal redwoods are a little bit different than the than the giant sequoias and so same family but the redwoods are a little skinnier and and taller because the tallest tree in the world in the world in the world is here in redwood national park and it's not marked um they say you can't really hike to it you could try to find it but it'd be almost impossible (laughs) um because of course they're they want to protect it so do you remember what it's called I don't. You probably do, you nerd. <laughs> Hyperion. Hyper- yeah, Hyperion. I remember now. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad. <laughs> You're right. So, yeah, there were a couple really cool things. Obviously, one was just seeing all of these trees. There was the Tall Trees Grove, which was uh, an especially tall grove of redwoods that you could walk through and just stare up and be in awe of these and that was our first trail that we did here and so it was just and we were all alone it was in the south part of the park that isn't i guess maybe is not as not visited as much or we were there maybe in the middle of the week or something too um but it was just really we were all alone with these this like foggy green sort of pacific northwest vibe (laughs) filter to the whole thing um, but we, but it was really cool to just be walking amongst the huge trees. It was us and the banana slugs. Oh yeah, so many cute banana slugs. Bright yellow, as long, uh, probably twice as long as your finger. Uh, it was really cool. So th- that was obviously a great start. The next day, I really liked the Fern Canyon. That was probably my favorite part. I think of the this whole was park. both of our favorite part of um, of all of Redwood National Park was this Fern Canyon. Which, speaking of the Narrows again, it's kind of like think of the Narrows in Zion, 
where you have canyon walls on either side of you that are very steep and then but this time it's like furry (laughs) (laughs) think of zai think of the narrows but with green ferns covering all of the walls and just this wall of bright neon green ferns and that's fern canyon it was so cool and we did a nice little loop too because you can just go in and out uh, a short out and back to fern canyon but we really enjoyed doing a big loop and started going uh, kind of along the coast almost and then cut up through yeah it was called the west coastal loop or it was something uh we it was on is this part of this famous trail that we were on and then we cut up and did yeah cut up into the into the redwood area and then we um cut down and so the approach to fern canyon was very dramatic like right. most people just took the you know less than maybe a fourth of a mile into the canyon but we did the long way around and that was probably a six maybe five or six miles it was a long it was like a full day and we ended with fern canyon which was really dramatic and um luscious and beautiful other really cool stuff i mean there were uh, ladybird johnson grove was definitely worthwhile again another huge grove of redwoods there was a scenic drive where you were just driving for a few miles there were several scenic drives that were really cool and you could see so much just from you know just from the car um there were there weren't you know you just drive really slowly but the you're weaving around these trees essentially because they mm-hmm. make the road and then the trees grow kind of into the road so so part of them had to be cut out a little bit um, but mostly like you're just right up there to the trees and it's a really close intimate forest it's you know not like a highway you're just right. on this gravel road winding through them so it is especially cool uh, the crescent beach Overlook very pretty a, a different type of area because you're not in the forest as much anymore. Mm-hmm. You're on the the beach. There's big coastal cliffs that at one point you're on top of and looking out over the ocean, over the you know, the rocks, and then you can also go down. And that was really fun too, just being down in um, the. Uh, just right on the water, walking ac- across the beach, looking at the tide pools. Yeah, we hadn't seen the coast in a while. Yeah. We've been at Sequoia, Kings Canyon, Yosemite, Lassen, and then finally Redwood. And and um, also, just f- so you know, Redwood National Park and State Park, they're very like woven together. So part of the time we were in the National Park, part of the time we were in the State Park. It's one entrance fee, but camping is actually a lot more expensive we found um the normal like drive up campgrounds because they're state park run which means i think they had showers guys <laughs> just so you know this is not ha- this does not happen in the in the national parks campgrounds but i think they were like 30 or 35 dollars but they had showers <laughs> yeah not not that we took advantage of them no we didn't because here's part here here's where we're going to be talking about budgeting this is what we did to save money. We discovered the probably the best campsite of the whole entire trip. At least top 10. This was in our top 10 easy access campsites. Um, it's technically backcountry, 
because you have to hike a fourth of a mile to get there from the parking lot. But but because it's so close, it's such easy access to to the parking lot to your car. So it's essentially drive up. But because it's back country, all you have to do is go to the visitor center, get a permit, and and then it's free. Completely free. Completely Pick free. One of eight sites. Uh, and the setting, it wasn't just free, it was that it was a beautiful setting because you were on this hill and certain campsites had a view out to the ocean through the trees. Certainly the, the parking lot had an amazing view of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. And so we would we would like park and eat dinner there in the parking lot and then hike up and go to bed um, up at our campsite. But when we woke up in the morning, we just like opened up our tent and there was the blue Pacific Ocean, and it was really pretty. They also had a really cool bathroom. Do you remember that? It was like a castle. Yeah, I do remember. It was that. like the style. It was so weird. It was a little pit toilet, but the style was like this castle-looking bathroom. Anyway, I felt very fancy when I was walking to it in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine yourself in. The lap of luxury hiking to the castle outhouse i know right um so the other the other thing that was really nice about this campsite was that it was very centrally located so we could you know a, a lot of times in the na- you underestimate how much you have to drive in the national parks but so this was es- nice because, especially in redwood because it's a very skinny park that right. is a lot along the coast if you're not going to do it in one day it's hard to make it efficient but basically we like came in from the south did a lot of the southern stuff and then drove up to the campsite which was in the middle and then on the second day we did fern canyon which was right around there the third day we did um was that crescent beach maybe we were just there for three days yeah yeah and then uh just worked our way north basically but having a campsite in the middle was so helpful with the amount of miles we had to drive and again, how did we find out about this awesome free campsite? We went to the visitor center and talked with the rangers. So that's a huge uh, tip not to be underestimated is how much the rangers, if you talk with them, they're going to tell you your options. Do not. And they're not going to be, like, they're not going to mislead you because they don't really care whether you spend money. They're not trying to make money off of you in the expensive campsites so yeah do not blow past the visitor center we know so many people who do that and who who are like oh that's just a waste of time like i already got i already know what i'm gonna do um we love the national park visitor center so much you also get to watch the movie which is exciting and then there are all these of course all sorts of exhibits and information um the weather the ranger programs, all sorts of things that we would always, you know, check off our list when we went to a new park. But especially these backcountry sites, because you do have to have a permit um, that's required to camp here, and we would not have known about it if it weren't for going to the visitor center. So that's another way to, to make it free. I believe that we spent zero money at Redwood National Park. Yeah, only... Only a, a hiking stick medallion. That's right. We still need to do that, by the way. We collected 59 hiking stick medallions. We collected 58 hiking stick medallions and one pin. Right. One regular pin. It was Kobuk Valley, right? Kobuk Valley did not have... They were the only park that didn't have a hiking stick medallion. So I guess that's another good point, too, is 
you know, we were super budget conscious the whole trip and really pinching pennies wherever we could. But we decided at the beginning of the trip that we want to have some sort of souvenir that we get every park. And for us, that was the hiking stick medallion. And even though they cost at least $5 at each park, so uh, multiply, you know, five times 60 basically is $300, pretty big amount. Uh, it was worth it for us because that's one thing that we're going to have, a physical reminder of each park. So, you know, some things don't be afraid to spend money on, but make it the worthwhile things because other things like campsites, you can really make up that budget room and uh, find them for free. There are lots of options to get creative in the national parks. I can parks. see so many people making the opposite argument, Cole, of what you just said, which is funny. But that it, that's the point, is that you should do what you want to do. You have to make the budget that's perfect for you. We can sleep. We could sleep. We have a tent, and we could sleep on the ground, and we could sleep anywhere. We might as well sleep in a free campsite. But we do. We want. We wanted that physical reminder of the parks, and that's where we kind of took a hit in our budget. <clears throat> so, these were two parks, Capitol Reef and Redwood. These were two examples of parks where we really tried hard to save money. And, and we had to do it somewhere. We had to do it with parks like these. Because, like we were saying, with American Samoa, you have to get there. And you have to you have to stay somewhere. You have to stay in a hotel or a homestay. And they both cost money. And Alaska, you have to take a bush plane to get to Lake Clark. There's no other way to get there. And so, with, we, with knowing that for a whole year, looking at all the places we were going within the year... We knew that at some parks like Capitol Reef and Redwood, we really had to, to uh, pinch pennies however we could. <laughs> All right. So we're, we've got a few more. Uh, you know, Next week we'll be talking about another camping. budget aspect. Next week we'll be going – I know we talked a lot about camping today, but next week we'll be going into more detail about all of the camping options that you have at the national parks. Specifically, we'll be talking about Guadalupe Mountains and Badlands because those were two parks where we really experienced a variety of the camping options, some of which we talked about today. The BLM options, the National Forest options, and the backcountry options, but there are many, many options for camping in the parks. So thanks for checking us out today. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, or find us at, on social media at Switchback Kids. And you can always get additional National Parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks, Switchbacks out! Each of these pinching pennies. <laughs> what? Nothing. Keep going. We're pinching many pennies. <laughs> pinching pretty pennies. Pennies.
Pennies. That's what I'm saying. Pennies. Penny. Penny. (laughs) Okay. Whatever. Keep going. Uh, So, 